morning, Alder Grove campus. Hi, yes. Okay, thank you. Cat, no cat calling anymore, please. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, my name is Matthew Warnock, and I usually help lead the youth and children's ministry here at the Alder Grove campus. Um, and so just before we be- get going, I just want to apologize on behalf of Alder Grove for Kevin and his ideas to switch spots. I was like, out of all the mornings you could do this, yeah, wait till I'm on stage and then have everybody dislike this day. But awesome. Anyways, it is such a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you all on this wonderful Advent Sunday morning. Uh, If you are new here, we welcome you here to this space and to this community. We are happy to have each of you here today. And as Lainey and Ezra talked about, uh, this Sunday's Advent theme is joy. And I am filled to be able to share, uh, filled with joy to be able to share this message with you today. Nervousness? Most definitely. But joy nonetheless. And this year for our Christmas season, our church is going through John chapter 1 for the Advent season. This is the story of how the weary world rejoices. This season carries a mixed bag of emotions for some of us as days are shorter, colder, busier, and yet sometimes lonelier as well. And for those that do experience hardships during the Christmas season, it can be especially tough when everybody around you is extra joyous and jolly. But as we learned so far in the last several weeks, there is a hope and a peace that I pray each of us would seek, celebrate, and share this Christmas season. And I hope that today we can see this the joy that this weary world should rejoice in, that we should rejoice in. As we sung earlier, joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And with that, I ask you to open up God's word and turn to John chapter 1, specifically verses 6 to 13. Uh, While you're all flipping there, I would love, or scrolling there, that's okay too, I would love to just remind you the words that have been shared over the last few weeks. So two weeks ago, Pastor Pastor John shared with us uh, about Ikea meatballs, so thank you for that, John. Um, As as well, uh, he shared that Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all things. And last week, Pastor Kevin shared with us Post Malone lyrics, so... Thank you, Kevin, for that one. Uh, dear Elder Board. No, I'm just kidding. Um, as well, he also shared about the victory in Jesus, who is the light and the bringer of peace. And this week, I am excited to share with you the things that I have been learning uh, from John 1, specifically in verses 6 to 13. So let's open up with a word of prayer before we dive into that, though. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning that you've given us. I thank you that we can come and approach you, Lord, that we we can come and celebrate you and your coming this season. Lord, that we take this time and this morning and come together and we rejoice in this day that you have made and we are glad in it. Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts to be able to receive the words that you have for each of us today, that it would not be my words but your spirit that is working in this place and through our hearts Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come and celebrate and be together. And Lord, we just lift up this time to you. We pray this in your holy name. All God's people said. 
John chapter 1, verse 6 to 13. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is the word of the Lord. See, this verse right here makes me ecstatic. I rejoice in hearing it. We are children of God. Can I get an amen? Okay, we're waking up still. That's okay. But um, before we dive into that verse specifically, let's take a couple steps back um, So this portion of John is exciting, but can be a little bit daunting as it points to so many other things. Some of those things include, uh, as discussed in the last few weeks, hyperlinks to Genesis, overture and prologue, uh, summation of the gospel, foundational truths, hyperlinks to the prophets. God has intentionally placed these indicators, these clues that all point to himself as the divine illustrator. His story interweaves and connects with itself at so many different points and himself. So, and if we pull back a little bit further and take that 30,000 foot view that he offers in the text, Pastor John and Pastor Kevin have both touched on the hyperlinks. Uh, We can see back to Genesis. There are clearly literary and thematic patterns that can be seen, again, between Genesis and John. Uh, Does anybody here remember when Pastor Kevin was teaching us sign language last week? He was... No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't sign language. He was uh, trying to teach us something. But uh, it, it, he, what he was trying to touch at is, um, sorry for taking a picture in church also, uh, but it, it's more, a little bit clearly seen in uh, this Bible pro- project image. Yeah, right there. Uh, how John is broken up into the four and the three and the three is the same that we see in Genesis. And our passage today is covering the witness portion on the bottom left and yeah, bottom left, and the choice portion on the bottom left. And I just also want to note that the second and fifth day of creation were about waters, uh, whether the creating or the filling of. Um, and here in John, we see this, the second and the fifth, uh, both witness portions about water through baptism. And also, um, the third and the sixth day is the land and the people, so the choice and the choice. Uh, It's supposed to be about the land and the people that we see back in Genesis, but it's also about the land and and the people and the redeeming of them that we see in John. So just a cool little parallel that I thought. Um, And the idea of being born again is being introduced. We see the first encounters of this uh, in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus. But back to John 1, though. As I have researched and meditated on this scripture, especially in light of the theme this week, It was clear that we must receive, believe, and worship. Receive, believe, and worship. The act of receiving has never been an easy one for me. Hugs or gifts 
or criticism. I mean, criticism is quite normal, I know, but hugs and gifts shouldn't be that hard to receive. But for some reason, they are. That makes me squirmish. And the love that I desperately seek is given to me through a gift or through a hug. And sometimes I find myself acting like a a deer in headlights, just a, a little bit, don't know what to do with myself. And the act of giving has not been much easier but a little bit. I like to show others uh, love by giving them gifts that I think that are thoughtful and well-suited to the people and their personalities. They might not always think so, but that's okay. As long as I think it fits them, that's okay. And I just want to say there are two ways to look at receiving. One is as in a one-time gesture, you receive something one time. The other is receiving on an ongoing basis. And these can look a little bit different. And what better time to talk about receiving than Christmas? We tell our children from a very young age that Christmas is not about, or sorry, is about giving. It's not about receiving. We hope to tell this so they don't get all excited about the gifts that we don't buy them, you know? A seasonally accurate example is the Grinch. I am a huge fan of the Grinch. The story as well as the movie played by Jim Carrey It may be because my family didn't celebrate Christmas for nearly 15 years. Yes, they're in the back laughing right now. Condemn them late. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But but because a very similar story to The Grinch, we thought it was focused a little too much on commercialism and consumerism, uh, and we wanted to break away from those traditions a little bit. And so before you get your pitchforks out, we do celebrate Christmas once again. It's okay. It's okay. Peace has been restored. Uh, as cheesy as it sounds, the Hallmark, Hallmark saying stands uh, as we truly try to put the Christ back into Christmas. Anyways, the Grinch, over time, hated Christmas. I'm sure all of you know this story. All the cheer, the who's, whoville, and all the noise. Man, it's, am I growing up to be like this? I don't know. But he clearly thought that the giving and the receiving of gifts was the biggest part of Christmas. If not the point entirely, especially because of his elaborate plan to steal Christmas. If you guys remember, uh, on Christmas Eve, he snuck into all of the homes and he gathered all the presents and he, and he took them with him. And just as he's about to destroy them the next morning, he hears the faint sound of, I don't know the song, I'm sorry, uh, that's all you get, but he hears the, the who's singing. Uh, And he's amazed as he realizes that maybe Christmas isn't about the giving or receiving, that Christmas could still be had for the Who's in Whoville, uh, even though he stole all their presents. But I was thinking about this, and I wondered, what what if the Grinch was on the right track with this? What if Christmas truly is about receiving? See, after all, we are receiving the greatest gift that humanity has ever gotten by the greatest gift giver. The initial giving and receiving matters because God is the giver and has given us eternal life with him. What better gift is there than that? And the Grinch may have been right about the commercialism and the consumerism of the holidays being a bit excessive, but truly we take this time to celebrate the greatest gift in which we could ever receive. Jesus Christ. See, God has given 
and we must receive. So when an object or a word is given, it should be received for anything else to take place. There is a giver and a receiver, a speaker and a listener. Verses 6 to 9 in John 1, we see John the Baptist is out there spreading the news of the coming light, the Messiah, to anyone who would receive his words. He is laying the foundation of the light to come. This is the job of a witness. Many times in my life, I have received the gospel from my parents, Sunday school, from Billy Graham on TV when I was five. It might be some of Maybe I just said how old I was secretly, but from teachers, from family friends, from strangers on the street, from youth group, from Bible college, from the best friends, even from enemies. There have been many opportunities to receive in my life, and sadly, I have ignored many of those opportunities. Verse 11 says, he came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him. How often does Jesus want to tell us or to retell us the gospel message? And how many times has Jesus come to us and we ignore him? There are some of us who may be receiving this message for the first time this morning. And there are some of us who have heard this message more times than we can count. This is only the beginning of the transaction, though. Receiving is not the end. The external has happened, and now the internal must occur. Anyone receiving now has the choice to accept or to reject, to keep or to discard, to believe or not to believe. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep this rabbit hole goes. Anybody guess? A Matrix. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, This is what Morpheus speaks to Neo in the classic film, The Matrix. This has nothing to do with the red pill politics in the news right now, just so you know if you've heard of that. If you haven't, that's okay. We'll move right by. Um, It is simply a quote from the movie. Okay, Neo, the main character, is being offered a choice that could alter his life in this moment. And see, we are all presented with choices sometimes. Sometimes that's what it feels like life is all about, just millions of microscopic choices that lead us to, in this instance, right here and right now. But what if it all led up to something else, a choice that affected all the other choices, I think that is exactly what John is talking about when he's talking about receiving and believing. Then we have the right to become children of God. Isn't that amazing? That we are adopted into the kingdom of God. Tasha, could I use this stool? Yeah, just put it back. I'm going to receive this stool, okay? We're going to do a little, I don't know, analogy. Just so you know... uh, yeah, this is a stool, I promise, okay? This, this is not a magic trick. This stool is given to me by Tasha, and I have received this stool. I can look at this stool. I can feel the stool. I think I know the stool is here. But until I sit down with my full weight, what, on this stool, can then I start to believe in the stool? Does the stool start to 
do I see the fruition of the stool that it brings, that it is real, that it has the power to hold and support me. This stool means something different when I start believing and especially applying it into my life. This is where we see the receiving of God and then the believing in God. Just so you know, there is a little more to this gospel than meets the eye. John's gospel begins with something called a chiasm. A chiasm is a literary technique designed to highlight narrative motifs. This sounds very formal, but, uh, and, and textual passages. In other words, it, it's trying to focus on a central uh, theme or point. In poetic terms, it can appear as A, B, C, B, A. Uh, it can. There's other ways to do it as well. The middle one can also be marked by an X. Um, and all the pairings, so the middle one is the central point and the rest help support it. For example, my, most pastors are old. My pastor is old. Kevin is old. I have an old pastor. Many pastors are old. A, B, C, B, A. Yes, Okay. So the central point of this message, anybody? Thank you. Awesome. I'm so glad we're on the same page. I'm just kidding. Uh, me and Kevin are so, we're like brothers, 30 years apart. Like, it's super cool. <laughs> yeah, I love Kevin. So um, anyways, this is the focal point of my example. The central point is Kevin is old, yes. But John is telling a different story here. This is the story that John 1 is telling. And the focal point of this chiasm, those who do believe in him become children of God. That's what this is all building up to. I would, I would say that this is the most important point of John 1 and potentially even the entire gospel of John. Especially as we see John as a prologue, John 1 as a prologue for the rest of John. And this verse actually makes me overjoyed that I am a child of God because of what Christ has done for me. C.S. Lewis, author and theologian, wrote, The Son of God became man, a man, to enable men to become sons of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men and women to become children of God. From mere Christianity. Ultimately, John 1 is recalling the creation story, but boldly and explicitly placing Jesus Christ into the center of it. Who better to do this than John, one of Jesus' best friends? John had a firsthand account of who Jesus was and what he came to accomplish, and thus is one of the best persons to give a very accurate depiction. And I don't know about each of you, but I have never mistaken any of my friends for Christ or for a messianic figure for that matter. Don't get me wrong, they are wonderful people, but perfect, far from. Abounding in love, sometimes, and all-powerful, not even close. Honestly, John's witness account is extremely important and helpful as John had a vantage point that no other would have had. Also, the text here uh, is inclusive of historical and biblical truths that the Jewish audiences would have understood, uh, but also the Greek audiences would have understood as well. The term logos and focus on Gentiles was geared towards those Greek audiences that did not, 
did not have quite the history that Israel did. And John was witnessing this inclusive message through the writing of his text. Israel had been waiting in anticipation for hundreds of years and seeking the arrival of the coming Messiah. For the Jews, Christ was a new covenant, no longer bound by the law in which they could not keep. And for the Gentiles, Christ was extending the invitation so that all may be grafted in to the kingdom of God. N.T. Wright, theologian and author, wrote, wrote, uh, the backstory is that God called Israel to be the means of rescuing the world so that he might one day rescue the world by becoming Israel in the person of the representative Messiah. Thus, in the prologue, God's promise to dwell with his people and to rescue them from the darkness takes place through the sending of the divine word into the world, into the human flesh of the true image. And when the word is received, it begets new children. John 1, as has been said a few times, uh, is a prologue. It gives a taste of what is coming. John 1, 12 talks about uh, the children are being given the right to become children of God. And if we look at John 20, 17, for example, uh, you're welcome to flip there, but I'm just going to try and blitz through it. This is where Mary uh, Magdalene goes looking for Christ at the tomb after Christ's death on the cross. And so Mary's out there looking. She runs into a dude. She thinks he's the, he's the gardener. I love this story. It's actually Christ. Surprise, plot twist, like super cool. Uh, anyways, I move back. Uh, and Christ says to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This is where we see the fruition of Jesus equating humanity with himself, equating, equating creation to the creator. This is groundbreaking as we see this spiritual adoption into the kingdom of God, not by our works, but achieved by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Kevin referenced last week, it is finished. The Greek word is tetelestai, tetelestai. Can you guys say that, tetelestai? Okay. Okay, we'll work on that one, workshop it. Uh, I love this word. To me, this word screams, verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The only one who could have restored humanity back to God was God himself in the form of a man. The chasm between the world and the divine was filled by the works and acts of Christ the King, the only one who is able to read and open the scroll as found in Revelation 5.5. One of my favorite verses, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Amen? Okay, amen. We're getting there. It is not our blood, our flesh, or our will. It is God himself, the mighty lion that we heard, but the lamb that we turned and saw. This is a beautiful picture, and this is why we worship. This is where my joy comes in. The good news, the greatest news, the most joyful people I know are the ones who clearly understand and seek Christ. They have received and believed in the truth, and now have received and believed their joy for their life, and are led to worship. I just want to clarify that worship is not exclusively singing. 
I am preaching, and as I speak, I am worshiping God. As parents or friends or spouses or children, we can be worshiping God. You go to work, and as you are teaching, building, painting, counting, managing, cleaning, driving, printing, faxing, planning, creating, or whatever it is that you do, you can be worshiping God. A favorite quote of mine is from Martin Luther King Jr., where he says, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, Here lived a great street sweeper. No matter what we're doing, we can worship God. And honestly, I have had a hard time standing up here today for you all. I don't necessarily uh, love the attention or the pressure or the responsibility. (laughs) But you know what I do love? I love sharing about Jesus and, and his work in my life. In June, I had the opportunity to share with you all about a literal mountaintop experience that I had in Austria where I felt like I first encountered God. And in November, I shared about God's redemptive work that he accomplished Uh, through my previous marriage and addictions. And these are for sure moments, big moments in my life where I have received, believed, and worshipped. These are moments in my life that I needed to know that I was a child of God. But Aldergrove, in all honesty, these are most days for me. As far back as I can remember, I have struggled immensely with identity and self-worth. These are the lies that I have been tempted with for most of my life. And I have found myself plagued with self-doubt, fears, and confusion. I have been absolutely lost about who I am and what I'm supposed to be. But you know what grounds me in all of that? It's knowing that I am a child of God. That I have received the message of the gospel as well as believe in the new life I now live in Christ. With that, I memorize scriptures that destroy the lies of the deceiver. I read verses that speak to my identity in Christ. I listen to worship that negates the enemy's attacks. And I spend time praying with words of truth and hearing God's still small voice call me his child. This is where I find joy. And this is why I worship him. This is where we see the shift when we receive and we believe we then move to a place of worship and praise. We share our testimonies, our songs. We dance for the Lord just as King David uh, danced for him. It is external, the receiving, to internal, the believing, and then external as we worship. This is an outpouring of our hearts. John Wimber said, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy, and I'll tell you what you worship. Or Thomas Aquinas said, the things that we love tell us what we are. We are not absolutely defined by what we do, but it it can tell us an awful lot about ourselves. There is a huge correlation between the things that we love and the things that we worship. Things that bring us joy and things that truly matter to us. We are often compelled to share these things with others. As I said, there is an outpouring of our heart. 
raindrops on roses and whiskers on perfect bright copper kettles and warm woolen brown paper packages tied up with these are a few of my favorite things so glad you guys got that reference uh, Julie Andrews found joy in all these things in the film Sound of Music. She felt it so much that she had a whole song to tell people about it. Now, I know that we are probably not musically inclined, whether we know it yet or not. <laughs> One thing that I, I used to do quite frequently actually was write poetry. I originally wrote classical poetry and then moved more towards uh, slam poetry or spoken word. And I'm... Don't know why, but I'm going to share part of one with you today. Uh, if anything, I do feel a little bit uh, nervous or shy about my poetry, um, but I share it with you today for two reasons. One, I originally wrote it for a uh, Christmas celebration of young adults at our church. Um, I felt like, yeah. Um, and then the other reason is because in the writing of this, I was able to experience joy and to worship God by doing so. Uh, and I think in the sharing of it as well. So here's the end of that poem for you all. All for the one they believed to be king. All for the one who would end all suffering. All for the one born in a lowly stable and all for the one who deserves every label. Thorn-wearing, cross-bearing, only begotten son. Child of Virgin, Rose of Sharon, and the Holy One. Mighty One of Jacob, Son of Man, Man of Sorrow. Good Shepherd, Morning Star, Gift of God, Shiloh. Bridegroom, Nazarene, One who paid the price. Forgiver of sins, Heir of all things, Cornerstone, Christ. Lion of Judah, Morning Star, Righteous Servant, Israel. Root of David, Mediator, Proprietor, and Emmanuel. Governor, Judge, Physician, Servant, King, Author, Teacher. Root, Vine, Truth, Light, Water, Rock, Preacher. Seed of the woman, Head of man, Second man, Friend of man, Life, Alpha, Omega, and Creator when it began. Light of the world, One who sets free, Truth and Foundation. Prince of Peace, King of Kings, and Eternal Salvation. Messiah, Savior, Sacrificial Lamb. Lord Jesus, Son of God, I am, I am. So. <laughs> I did not expect laughing, but uh, this is how I worship my God. His truths bring me joy, and this is the outflowing of that joy. I love sharing about God and how I am his child. It is not always easy. What would people think? What would people say? What is the alternative, though? I know there's, I've heard this before. If you see someone drowning, would you throw them a life preserver? Or would you swim out to them and save them? See, if we truly receive and believe in our God that we have been made his children, who are we telling about it? Who are we inviting to share in that experience? And I don't know how theologically accurate this is, but I see people in one of two ways, as children of God and children of God who don't know it yet. We are all made in his image. And I prefer this view to better see people in God's eyes, as, individually, as individuals carefully crafted by our same Father. Also to recognize the need that each of us have, even those who have accepted him, to presently live in the realization that he is calling us back to him. 
In Johnny Cash's song, When the Man Comes Around, he writes, When the Father Hen Calls His Chickens Home. This is such a vivid image for me uh, that is pulled from Jesus' words in Matthew 23, 37. So as people who have received and believed the call of our Father, of Abba, we must recognize that as we worship him with our whole lives, we invite and lead others in doing, also, doing so also. Last week in the announcements, I shared that January 25th, Aldergrove Campus is hosting another round of Alpha here. And as I mentioned, this is one of the easiest ways that we can invite someone to recognize their place in the kingdom as, as a child of God. That we can invite them to come and worship his name together with us. We move past the point of uncomfortability or awkwardness, social judgment, and any other fears or concerns or lies that the enemy tries to tell us. And we wade towards God's call to make disciples. This is a starting place. Pray about who God is leading you to invite this Christmas season. Make this, goal, make this your goal for the Christmas season as you encounter this weary world and offer them the best gift in which they can receive. Share the joy in which you yourselves have received. And the same goes for Cozy, cozy Family Christmas next Sunday. Uh, we're, we're showing the Grinch. Um, and it's a way that we can invite our neighbors and to, to experience and be part of this uh, amazing family that we are, the kingdom of God. Receive, believe, and worship. With that, I'd like to call the worship team up. Um, for those who are new to the idea of faith, this is your invitation. This is what John the Baptist is out there talking about. You personally are being invited to receive and believe Jesus Christ in, into your life and know that you are given the right to be a child of God. And for those of you who have been on the faith journey for some time, we must remind ourselves of the right that we have been given to become children of God, seeking out ways in which we must once again, again receive and believe, as well as be led to share his good news so that others would be able to come together and worship him with us. For those of you who are, who are feeling weary, who are feeling lost or broken, or hurt, uh, we, we just offer prayer to you this morning. There's prayer in the front sides of the pews and then also in the prayer room in the back. Uh, we want to be able to walk with you. Uh, and I know that there's a prayer team that's looking forward to praying with each of you who are looking to receive once again. So Aldergrove Campus, are you receiving the good news of Jesus Christ in your life, his death and resurrection on a daily basis? Do you believe that you have been given the right to become children of God and are currently being transformed and renewed by him? Are you finding joy in being led to worship God for all he has and continues to do in your lives? And lastly, who are you telling about it? Where do we see that outpouring joy from your heart? I'm going to close with prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning that you've given us. I thank you for, for this message, how, how I needed to hear it first, Lord. I thank you that this wearied world 
can look to you when nothing else is happening or going our way, Lord, that we can once again receive, believe, and worship your name. Lord, we ask for your joy to fill us today, that we would rejoice in this day that you have given. But Lord, I just pray that you would, that these words would transform our lives, that we would be led to continually receive and believe, Lord, and to fall down and worship. We thank you for this morning that you've given us, and we just pray, pray that the service begins as we leave this place, that you would continue to work in our hearts and that we can celebrate your birth this season. Amen.